Welcome to another episode of Sunrise Life, the podcast where we have deep conversations with fellow freelance models. Today, I have Angelina on the other line. Say hello, Angelina. Hey. I'm so excited that you are willing to do this episode with me. I've been looking at your photos from time to time, and I find you striking because of your uniqueness and your boldness. Well, thank you. I feel like fat modeling in like the art space isn't like a big deal, but apparently it is. Like people want to present it as grotesque, but like you know, working with a lot of photographers, they're doing stuff that you would only see a thin model do. And, you know, it's been interesting trying to like portray more visually positive for fat models than like not, you know what I mean? Yeah, one of the types of art that I've seen on your page a lot that I really like, that kind of portrays, pardon me, I'm not used to being allowed to say fat, but you've already opened it up because I usually call them curvy models. So if if that's the the term that you are chill with, we'll go with that. But the folds of your body create extra lines that I think are extremely interesting because not very many artists are depicting that. No, they're not. And it sucks because there are so many photographers, so many artists whose work I absolutely love. And I'm like, that would, you know, that kind of brain power in art, that creativeness would be like so amazing to do with a fat body. And they refuse, like, they're, you know, maybe a small fat, like a size eight is what they do. And it's so disappointing. Yeah, especially if you have creative ideas, you're like, oh, your photography style would look really cool with this idea. And that's when when you're a creative model, like it sounds like you're also a very creative model. And I'm getting the idea that you have a lot of concepts to bring to the table. You don't just show up, you know? Well, yeah. And, you know, I'm not just, you know, people are like, oh, she's fat. She, you know, what is she going to do? But I'm actually, you know, relatively flexible. So I can like contort myself into shapes that maybe, you know, wouldn't be possible with a thin body. That's really cool. I've browsed a bit on your Instagram between yesterday and this morning, and I didn't know how many like mainstream pieces of work that you have been in that bring like your name and your brand so much more legitimacy. And I was actually honestly like really intimidated to talk to you after that. Oh, don't be intimidated. I'm just some like, I don't feel like I'm famous or well known. I have people who like my work. And that's about it. Like I just I have like a lot of anonymity. I don't get recognized on the street. And I'm perfectly fine with that. Like having stalkers is not like my idea of a good time so I like I said I I like being anonymous at the same time I would like to work and make money but you know that's not what's gonna happen but I I've been really lucky with the people that I've worked with in the mainstream like I you know the the Miley video the 30 seconds to Mars Mariah Carey there's one that is I don't know when it's coming out, but it, it was an incredible experience. And I wish I could talk about it, but I can't. Ooh. Um, but hopefully soon in the future, it'll show up. We'll be watching your page. <laughs> oh, you'll hear about it. Trust me. <laughs> cool. I'm excited. I'm really excited. I definitely watched the Miley video and I thought that was, you know, 
every time I hear people talking about Miley, generally it's in relation to her, like when she was twerking and sticking her tongue out. But Miley has so much more interesting stuff that she's doing. Whenever I watch one of her videos, there's a message that's important to it. And the one that you're in is massively all about positivity and a variety of different types of bodies and celebrating them. Right. And that was, it was amazing because I actually got a lot of shit from people in the quote unquote plus community because they were like, oh, you know, Miley did this, Miley did that. And I'm like, you know what? I understand that. And I would love for her to kind of take accountability for it because she just did an interview and what she said, it was just like, oh, people were picking on me, you know, when I was young and, and whatever she said. And I was just like, okay, you know, I'm not supposed to like bite the hand that feeds me. But what she was saying in the interview was like, that's not what people were mad at you about. They were mad at you for appropriating stuff that you really had no right to. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the black community is like the most used but least respected out there. So for her to be like, oh, well, people were just picking on me because I was young and having fun. No, honey, that's not why. But, you know, go off. But, you know, like I said, working with her was great. And I loved the opportunity to, like, be on that platform with her. Um, She didn't say anything when, like, my appearance kind of blew up, like, the whole Piers Morgan thing and whatever. She never stepped up for me. So I kind of, like, okay, well, maybe she's just, you know, bandwagoning again in in this area. But, you know, I'm not going to, like, be mad at her because I got the opportunity. So hopefully, you know, me getting out there a little more and, and, you know, arguing with Piers Morgan and whoever else, Dr. Phil, blah, 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 that, you know, hopefully it helps somebody by seeing me in a music video, just not like flaunting myself. Well, I I guess I was flaunting myself because I was naked in that video, but just kind of doing things like you shouldn't have to wait for to be skinny or to have a certain hairstyle or, you know, whatever to go do things because we have like one life and it's very short and waiting until that perfect moment till you're like rich enough or thin enough or, you know, whatever. Like you don't really have time. You just got to go do those things. True that. I, I feel that that's a really important message. And I also watched the Dr. Phil I skimmed through it. I, I watched the parts that you were in, and then I watched the end also where they had the plastic surgeon doctor. And, oh, my God, that was – I was, like, cringing so hard when they brought the Barbie girl onto the stage. And, oh, my God. <laughs> that must have been – is that intensely awkward for you to be, like, in a huge audience like that with that kind of – it just feels like very, like, forced drama TV Oh, it was definitely forced. It was forced drama because they definitely wanted us to be like at loggerheads. And quite frankly, I liked what she was wearing. But for her to be like, oh, I don't like fat people. Well, okay, well, don't like me. And that's fine. (laughs) Like, but just leave me the fuck alone. Yeah, she was a caricature of herself. Nothing against her or whatever. But yeah, I feel like. No, and it was so hilarious because she was like. I only like living in uh, whatever and being original with fashion. And I was like, honey, nothing you are wearing is original. You look like every other real housewife on yeah. every on every fucking show. Like, it, there's nothing original about you. And she's a nice lady. And we talked afterwards. And we were sort of like, we follow each 
followed each other on um, Instagram. And she was like, oh, well, I have a doctor. He does this weight loss thing. And, you know, if, if you go through insurance. And I was like, no, ma'am. No, I'm not going <laughs> to do that. And not to say that I don't want to lose weight. Because, like, I'll admit it. To me, it would make my life a lot easier to lose weight, but that's just, I'm not going to wait to do things until I lose weight. I'm still going to keep doing what I'm doing. So that was like a, I mean, plus, you know, it was like my doctor in Woodland Hills, these injections, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, mm, that sounds sketchy as hell. So no. <laughs> I've actually, I just heard yesterday a friend talking about that people are taking inject- injections that you're only supposed to have if you're diabetic to try to lose weight? Yeah, yeah. I actually have a friend who's doing that and she lost like a good deal of weight. And certainly like I I believe she is diabetic too. I'm not 100% on that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure she is diabetic. But, you know, her main focus on getting on uh, Ozempic or is that how you say it? Um, I, don't, I don't even know. <laughs> I think it was to lose weight and she's, she's lost like 80 or 90 pounds and she's doing like, you know, she's out there doing more things and, and, you know, she's better able to move around. And I mean, if you want to be fat and you know, that's fine. Like I have no problem with people who are fat. I also have no people problem with people who want to lose weight. It's a personal choice and it has nothing to do with me. Totally. And I think that a lot of people maybe don't realize that they have internalized negative thoughts towards people who aren't the standard traditional. And I even went through that within myself when I was um, a young adult, when I was late teens, early 20s. I realized that when I looked at other people, like perhaps who were fat, not like like me, my first thought would be, you know, the thought that was planted in my mind from the rest of society, from bullies in school, like, oh, wow, look how fat they are. And I recognized that these thoughts were coming into my mind before anything positive. It was always something negative. And somehow I was able to recognize that and think, why shouldn't I just think of something positive when I look at anybody instead of immediately going to this judgmental space? Well, it's sort of like a, like you said, something that that we're taught is you get a, a reaction because you're you're told to get a reaction. And they're like, oh, that's bad. It's more like a projection of like a protection of your your own ego. Oh, at least I'm not like that person. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's understandable. And but then if you are that person who is the different one, then you probably have that hate turned inward in a sense, unless you're able to eradicate that yeah and that's you know what I felt like the whole fat positive you know plus community was for and you know like any other group of people there is clickishness and there's not a hundred percent agreement on everything you know some people are like losing weight is, is fat phobic and in any instance regardless of you know what you're trying to do and then there's people who are like i'm gonna lose weight and i don't care if you do like you know again it's a personal choice and i'm not gonna like base what i'm doing in my life on somebody else's weight loss if you're happy about it and like want to brag about it i have no problem with that like people it's it's not an easy thing to do yeah 
So if you want to do it, do it and like, just go live your life. But I'm not going to sit there and be mad at somebody because they lost weight. Yeah, that's true. And for yourself, if you have your own journey of whether or not you're going to, you know, lose it or whatever, do you feel that the brand that you've made as a model artist would be threatened if you changed your appearance? Probably. Actually, definitely. Yeah, I'm definitely very niche in the world of art and I'm not tall enough. I'm certainly not like, I don't want to say I'm not pretty enough, but like a lot of, I'm not symmetrical enough. (laughs) That's what the lady on Dr. Phil said. She was all like into symmetry. (laughs) But, but no, I, I understand that symmetry is, it has an aesthetic to it. Yeah. I had, this is funny because, you know, we're supposed to talk about like photographers or whatever or crazy photo shoots. I have one photographer be like, he he was like, Oh, can you squint your eye? Because the one eye, you have one eye that's bigger than the other. And so like, since then (laughs) I'm not obsessed with like my own weight or my skin or anything. I'm worried about the whole, like I have one eye bigger than the other now. Like it was such a random and really insulting thing to say. Cause like, okay, well, even if that is the case, can't you just fix that in post-production? Don't tell me to fucking squint my eye, you asshole. You know, that's funny that you bring that up because one of my eyes is always a little bit more open than the other one also. Uh And I, I only noticed it if I was turning my head towards the right and looking at the camera with my left eye, because my right Uh eye is my dominant eye, apparently. And a lot of people have a dominant eye and the dominant one would be the one that looks better if that one's closer to the camera when you're looking at the camera, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm I, th- I think it's too. the same for me. And I, I now when I see like my selfies or whatever, I'm like, I kind of notice it. <laughs> other people might and they might not. But I like for me, I'm like, OK, I can see what he's, he's saying now and let me go fix that. <laughs> I don't think it's something that can be fixed. <laughs> well, like, is there some kind of plastic surgery I can get to make my eyes symmetrical? Oh, my God. Yeah, here's <laughs> another thing to be insecure about. Yeah, Exactly, thanks. exactly. <laughs> like, it was just, it was like the weirdest thing of all the things to pick on me about my eye size. The one thing that I really could not change is like, okay, <laughs> let me point that out. So... How did you first get into modeling and can you kind of give a synopsis of your modeling career and how it's led you to where you are now? See, I guess the first modeling I would have done would have been in Seattle and honestly oh. it was back it was, was back in the early or no, the late 90s. I didn't get to Seattle till 1996. But I did a magazine, a nudie magazine, so it was like Sweet. of all the all the things to do was a new magazine um but it was called plumpers and i think people i think they still make those magazines i don't know but i did it because i was homeless and needed the money so and i would occasionally do like a little acting up there and didn't really like get into it until i came to to la i think my first one was in 2012 no it was before that. I have to look it up, but it was, I answered an ad on Craigslist. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody was looking for a model 
and I went to this sketchy place like eight o'clock at night in like South LA. It would, it turned out to be a garage, like literal cars in the garage. And then they had like a, a stage set up for the, the shoot. And this is actually with Julia, who I work with quite a bit. That was our first interaction. And she loved how I would like, just like contort my body. And so we ended up taking a lot of pictures and I didn't hear from her. And I looked up the pictures later and I hated them because she had put like a filter on them to make my skin look really rough and oh. like textured. And I was so upset. I told her to fuck off basically. Oh my <laughs> like, God. I'm, never, I'm like, I'm never working with you again. You can go fuck yourself. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I was really mad because everything else on her website at the time was, like, thin women who were, like, pale and ethereal and just, like, really beautiful. And then there's me where I was, like, browned and roughed up. Like, it was just, like, I hated it. She must have, like, um, slid the clarity slider over to, like, bring out all the texture in your skin or something. Like Yeah, and, like, I'm already... That's honestly, I'm more insecure about my skin than I am about my size. Like that really just like, it was such a trigger and I was so upset and I didn't like do anything for a really long time. And then I think I did, I got the Jared Leto thing, the first Jared Leto thing where he, and surprisingly like he was weird, but nice. But I think he didn't want he was one of those guys that didn't want to, like, talk to the fat girl too much in case she likes him or whatever. You know, those kind of men, which is like okay. the, majority of, the majority of guys in L.A., they're like, they don't want to talk to you because they don't want to encourage you to like them. And then it's like, OK, first of all, I don't like you. I would rather <laughs> punch you in the face. But like, oh okay, God. just be a fucking nice person. <laughs> so he was, you know, when he was directing, he was nice. He actually cleared the set of any like extraneous people when I was on the set. So like that was a good experience. That's good. And that, yeah, like I was impressed with him for that. And I actually worked with him a few years later with one of my friends. Like we were in it in the basement of his house naked. What? <laughs> I know. Right. It's one of those things. Yeah. I'm one of the very few people that have been to Jared Leto's house naked and in his basement and left like satisfied and, <laughs> that's what I, I tell people but we were just doing it was like a heat like heat camera for i don't know what he did with it, it was for his son walk on water but he ended up using other footage so i don't know what happened to it, it was pretty cool but you know whatever that sounds cool so do you have an agent that gets you a lot of these mainstream gigs with these celebrities no i get really lucky into a lot of these like that's the cool first, the first music video I did was for this guy called William Control, and it was a song called Beautiful Loser. And I met a guy there, um, a stylist slash makeup artist slash amazing person named Maxie. And Maxie has actually gotten a lot of the gigs for me, like working with Jesse J and Mariah Carey. He like takes care of me on like some of the things. If he can get me onto the set, like I'm going. But he's helped me. But the rest of them, everything else is like pretty much me just kind of like falling into it or answering an ad. That's awesome. 
And I'm sure that you having your uniqueness and being so embracing of yourself and who you are and your vibe and your size, and people are like, oh, we want to use her in this project because you're so different. I'm, I'm guessing that your differentness is one of the things that, that puts you aside from everybody else. Like with the Miley people, they actually reached out to me. I didn't, I don't remember sending in for anything at that time, but they sent a message to me on Instagram and they're like, hey, blah, blah, blah. You know, we want you to be in this video. And funny thing is today is the four year anniversary of when we actually shot the video. Oh, wow. Cool. It was so weird because they had this whole, not just one set, but like, the whole of the Smashbox studio, like they took it out for the whole day. And, you know, there were like a whole bunch of us. There were like literally hundreds of people there that day. And I got to walk around naked in front of them <laughs> to be like, no problem with it. That's awesome. So with your first shoot being the nudie magazine shoot, and it, I see a lot of the stuff that you're doing is like very artistic nude type stuff. Did you ever... Mm -hmm. like, feel worried about your nudes being on the internet or have you always been all for it when i did the magazine it was before the internet so <laughs> i mean like the internet was like in the very early stages like 96 97 so being worried about naked on the internet wasn't really a thing at the time yeah i suppose naked on the the store shelves back then <laughs> Yeah, but I hadn't really thought about it and I wasn't really worried. People ended up hearing about, I think I told people and they told people and this guy went to school and was like, oh, I don't want to talk to you because I heard you were in a nudie magazine or that you were doing porn. That's right. Uh -huh. They were like, they were like telling people I was doing porn and I was like, okay, well, first of all, that's not true. And second of all, I see that not much has changed since high school. So you can go, you know. <laughs> so whatever, do whatever. But it, yeah. it was just so stupid because they're, they're, they're all like, I went to school with a bunch of Mormons. I had no idea that everybody was so prude now. Oh. <laughs> was that in Seattle or? No, that was in Vegas. I lived in, I was born and raised in Vegas and I moved to Seattle in 1996 and moved back to Las Vegas in 2005 and moved to here to LA in 2007. Oh, okay. Cool. So I've been kind of like up and down the West Coast. That's awesome. And is modeling like the main thing that you do or do you have like other work on the side? Like um, when people ask me, what do you do for a living? I tell them whatever I can because I've done like I've cleaned bathrooms and I've watched kids and, you know, done virtual work. I've booked escorts like. I modeled, act, you know what I mean? Like everything. You kind of have to in LA unless you've got a really good paying job. You kind of have to hustle. That's cool. So you're a full-time freelance person. All the work that you do is freelance. You don't have like a boss. No. That's cool. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I guess I sort of have a boss now. I just got signed to a talent agency. Oh. I'm with BAM Management. And so like now they're we're trying to like, which is funny, trying to book auditions while there's like a strike going on. So there's not much going on right now. But hopefully, you know, when the strike and everything gets resolved, I will have more opportunities for work. 
Cool. Yeah, I, I hope so too. Like, that's cool that you just got signed to a, with an agent. Yeah, I'm excited. I've had one audition and one that I'm working on right now. You know, my, my brain sometimes doesn't want to remember the, what is it? <laughs> like right now, my brain took a big old fart. My brain doesn't <laughs> want to like pick up the script easily. So it, sometimes it's a little bit of a challenge, but I like, you know, I do it. I feel the same way too. My most part of my podcast that I ask everybody, it's called the photo shoot fail of the week. Can you recall a story that was rings in your memory because something at the photo shoot was crazy? Either the scenario around the photo shoot was out of hand or the photographer themselves were out of line? <laughs> I mean, waterboarding lot <laughs> for two hours. Oh my God, that sounds awful. Okay, so basically, this is actually the same photographer that I was talking about that told me my eye, eyes were two different sizes. Oh, my God. So we were shooting this photo, and it actually, the photo turned out amazing, but I was, like, laying in this chair, like, lean back in this, like, jimmy-rigged whatever. Everything was covered in tarp, and I was basically waterboarded, like, dairy-boarded, basically, with, like, half and half and um, heavy cream. It was like a mixture because he wanted like the splash to be a certain way. Uh. And like would he would stand up on the ladder and pour it on me. And there were just so many, like so many, so many times we even had to stop. And so they could get, go get more, you know, dairy products, but it was so awful. And like, by and it was like two hour, two to three hours of this. God, and, like, they couldn't practice it, on something else while they got it right. <laughs> no, because <laughs> they had somebody holding the cherry over my mouth, and then he was po pouring the the dairy products on my face. And oh I had God. to like, you know, this is one of those like you people who say modeling is easy don't know about things like this. Like it really is an effort to get these shots and a photographer will have something specific in mind but like you know maybe with water it wouldn't have been as bad but dairy Ugh. it got in my ears and my hair like I could smell it for days and like I no matter how much of my head I scrubbed it like it just felt like it was not going away with my nose like just everywhere that's nasty and, <laughs> yeah it, that, I would say that was by far the worst torture I've dealt with. And yeah, you're literally, I, that is literally torture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when people are like, modeling is easy, I'm like, the fuck it is. <laughs> yeah. And when you bring in like things like the natural elements, like being cold or being like in a dangerous environment or being with dangerous people, it, it just adds so many different like parts that make modeling not that easy. Yeah. Like with Julia, we, we made up obviously and um you know do a lot of things she likes to be like oh let's go over here and do this let's go over here and do that and it a lot of it involves us like going to remote places and me rolling around in the dirt and I was like that's <laughs> fine <laughs> you know there was one that was like up in Angeles Crest where you know it was raining and it was close to the edge of obviously something that had like pot fallen off before so the wrong move like 
you, the earth could shift and I could fall down like this fucking giant gorge. Oh my god! <laughs> but I'm like, okay, it's fine. <laughs> you know, running around in the roads or up rocks in bare feet or doing stuff underwater or you know, she had a an acrylic box built where she was underneath taking photos and I was on top and I was like lubed up in like I don't want to say glycerin or something, but it's first of all I'm fat, so I'm not sure that things are gonna like not buckle under my weight. So I was a little worried about that. And then I'm sliding around on this plastic. <laughs> it was really <laughs> you know like what am I doing with my life? And it, it's funny and you're just kind of like whatever Okay, like, but the pictures turn out cool. So I guess, you know, in the end, it's really, it's worth it to put yourself in danger and weird situations. Yeah, I, I understand that too. I'm, I'm just thinking of the visual of you're in an acrylic case, like a clear box type of a thing. On top of it. Oh. On top of it. And she's underneath taking pictures. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's cool, though. <laughs> the things that photographers... I don't know what she did with that box. <laughs> That sounds cool. Yeah, but some I I look back sometimes and I'm like, well, what if I ended up like doing what my parents told me and like getting some kind of an office job? Like, how would I be miserable? And I, I feel like I definitely am happy with going the freelance route and then doing these kinds of weird shoots. It, it adds a spice to life in a way. Oh, for sure, for sure. Because you know, some people find comfort in. I guess it's stability and I would love stability, but I would love stability being creative. And that's, there's like, where do you find that balance? Because, you know, you can have one or the other, but you can't have both in this industry, this specific industry. Yeah. And then on top of it, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, if it's commercial, it's it's paid work. If it's artwork, it doesn't get paid because art, For some reason, you know, these people are buying, you know, $50,000 photos, but they can't, I don't know where the money goes, but it's certainly not going to the models. And it's very little of it goes to the photographers. And that one of the reasons I don't travel to LA very often is because I find that that is kind of the model photography culture down there is that they don't want to pay models for their creative projects very often. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I got mad. And like through a temper tantrum, like at the beginning of the year, because she's like, everybody wants to like work, but they don't want to pay. And, you know, like, I love the photos. I love creating, but like, I'm not coming out of my own pocket for your project, especially if later it ends up like in a gallery show or, you know, you're making money elsewhere and you can't float me like to, you know, a couple hundred dollars. Like, come on. Yeah, people are, you know, worth their time, especially if you're doing their project. So I understand. I know that, like, a lot of people are tight on their money, too, down in L.A. because the cost of living is expensive. But still, even so, it doesn't make it – they shouldn't be entitled to other people working for them for free. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're like – Julia's been good about paying, so I don't mind – you know, I don't mind working with her. But a lot of other people, like, I've had to chase money down. Yeah, there's a lot of these photographers that are like, you know, we would love to work with you, but, you know, there's no budget. 
you know, if I like their work enough, I might, you know, be like, okay, well, you you handle the transportation, you pay for my Uber to and from, because I'm not going to come out of pocket to go for your project. So yeah. at least cover that. And that usually works out. And I like being able to have like new stuff to share, but it's just gone to the point where I'm like irritated that, you know, these people flaunt their life, like they're Oh, I have this like Versace this and Gucci that. And I'm like, okay, well, you can Gucci that shit over to me because like you bought a $200 bet. You could have fucking paid me. What the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. I think that's just rude, honestly. Super rude. Yeah. But I don't have like a lot of mainstream work. I've worked with a couple of like smaller brands, but you know, mainstream stuff. I don't want to say that I'm blacklisted. I just think that my name was whispered in a very negative way to people so i just don't get a lot of work in that industry huh that's too bad do you get work with people from like model mayhem and stuff like that i haven't booked anything off of model mayhem in forever yeah it's not what it used to be (laughs) yeah i don't i don't even think people really know about it as much anymore because instagram sort of that's where people they look because they want to look at one your work and to your appeal to people yeah and how many followers you have and stuff oh yeah like that i know that for acting too they really take a look at your social media on whether or not they cast you and i'm like okay well, but what about actual talent why would social media be anything if your film if your production is good enough why would social media matter right Exactly. I saw on, I think you have, do you have more than one Instagram page? I think I ran into your backup page too. Yeah, I got, my main one got deleted last year in June and I started the backup one and then that, the backup one got deleted too. And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? So I started a third backup. So like I have two, the main one that I have now and then a backup and then I have another backup just in case that happens again. Yeah, so stupid. Like Instagram, just be like, we'll be deleting bullshit all the time. Like Sylvie had to take all of, and it was specifically my stuff. She does nudes. Mm-hmm. The one like with me and Caitlin. Yeah, that that's Sylvie's work, and that I don't think that one particular one got deleted, but like most of the other stuff that she's done with me got removed off of Instagram. So she just like doesn't bother to to put them back up, which really sucks because her work is incredible. It is. You know, it was very it was like do you, like remember back in well, I don't think I don't know if you remember. But back in the 90s and like yeah. there was like Cindy Cindy Crawford and all that like Yeah. They had the black and white that her Herberts was doing and like I dreamed of doing work like that and working with Sylvie, like it basically came to pass like that because her work is the like iconic black and white stuff. And I love doing it. I love working with Sylvie. She's a little bit demanding too. Like there, you know, she likes to work in the middle of the day <laughs> in the hot, you know, LA sun. Whoa. Like, I'm going to die. <laughs> but you know, the pictures we get are awesome. So I am like, not so mad about it because, Hers, well, she does do like bodyscapes with me. We still do stuff that I think is 
pretty. It's not like meant to be interesting. It's meant to be pretty. That's cool. Not to say that it's not interesting, but like, you know how, you know, fat bodies are, aren't portrayed as beautiful. Yeah. And with her, with our work, I feel like the poses or whatever she captures is beautiful. I would definitely, if I saw that, if I wasn't me and I saw that, I would definitely be like, oh my God, that's amazing. I would need that as a poster. <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping that she's able to at least share that, that stuff on her website if it keeps getting taken down on her Instagram. I haven't even checked. I haven't talked. I'm actually waiting to hear from her today. I'll ask her about it. But she does a lot of commercial work. I just I don't know if she has actually. I think she does because she had a, a show in the MoCA in Bangkok. And it's so funny because, you know, I have a rather large ass. And <laughs> they, the picture of me and Caitlin was blown up to like basically the size of a wall. So like my ass was like huge, huge. Wow. <laughs> On a wall in Bangkok. And I guess it's she gave it to them so it's a permanent part of mocha bangkok's collection that's so cool and that photo is actually the first time that i saw a photo of you because i know catlin is like an acquaintance of mine i've only bumped into her in real life like once or twice but i i know i know of catlin because i'm also from seattle and and catlin works with a lot of other photographers in the area but um, so I saw that photo and I was like, whoa, that's cool. And that's when I found out about Sylvie Bloom and started following her and started following you more. <laughs> yeah, I met Sylvie through Julia. They like, I guess they had talked or something on Instagram. And then Julia and I went over to Sylvie's house and then Sylvie and I just started working together. And one of the first things we did was like we did one just basic nude outside and then we did the next shoot we did was with the snake cool and those are still my favorite like even though we, like i've worked with a snake with her and with a flamingo those are what, what kind I, of I would snake? say my favorite shoots it was just a big like well it was a huge it was like a you know a smaller boa okay cool love snakes i should repost those again i always see the if you've seen the guy on instagram who has like the giant snakes he like is the caretaker for them no they're all different colors his name is jay something but like he has these huge huge like 300 pound snakes and i was like oh i would love to shoot with one of those but at the same time like that thing would probably eat me (laughs) (laughs) he would probably be like "Ooh, she looks tasty i have to like eat her (laughs) i know a girl in san francisco who has she has a bunch of large reptiles, but one of them is like an 18-foot anaconda. I don't know how much it weighs, but I know that it's 18 feet long. Okay, that's huge. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's like a yellow and white. It's almost too big for me for to do a shoot with because it's very heavy and hard to move around. Yeah, that would take like three people, I'm sure, to move yeah. around. It's got a mind of does its she, own. I was going to say, does she like let it hang out? Or is it in a cage? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. All of her reptiles have their own like cages and places to hang out. And they, she, she has like a, her own exotic animal company called Exotics by Andrea. Mm. Yeah. 
But anyway, does she rent them out for shoots. She sparingly does, like on a case by case basis. She'll uh-huh. she'll go there with the animal that was requested and be the animal handler for like creative photo shoots and stuff. And that's how I found out about her. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. So if you're ever in San Francisco, you should hit her up. You know, I I really need to go back. It's been a minute. Like the I can't remember the last time I was there. I was for a was it for Folsom? No, I was there after that. I did a Japanese TV show. Cool. And I wish I had the the footage from that because my acting was amazing that time. (laughs) I've never seen it. It's in Japanese and I can't get a hold of anybody to get actual footage from it. So I don't know. Oh, darn. Maybe one of these days I'll find it. That's cool. I have another question that I want to ask that I also ask everybody on the show it's called the rising phoenix part of your life can you describe something in your life where you were faced with some kind of a challenge whether it's related to your modeling or your life in general something like a career change or just some kind of a struggle that you were faced with that you had to overcome i would say being able to work at all in Los Angeles, because honestly, you know, I have a bit of a beef with other people, and I'm not quiet about it. And when I see people doing fucked up shit, I speak on it. And sometimes I speak on it too much, I guess. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there was a certain model who was doing shady shit. And I've spoken about it. And I still to this day will talk about it because she's still doing shady shit. But in doing so, And I did it publicly. I was like, okay, well, look, this is what it really is. And her friends, you know, jumped all over me. And you know how certain cult of personalities are. They have like friends and and followers or whatever who will defend them, like just whatever for anything. Like they can do no wrong. Well, Uh you know, I called her out on something and, and her friends were like, oh, my God, you're just jealous. You're doing nudes, so you're very insecure. You know, a lot of crazy bullshit. And like, basically, you know, a lot of these people were, you know, in plus size fashion and, and, you know, the plus size community here in LA. And they just were like, don't let me see you in a dark alley threatening me. What? (laughs) So I was like, okay, well, that's fine. But, you know, I had to to do anything to work. I had to work around working with those people because they weren't going to work with me specifically because she tells a lot of people, Oh, Hey, you know, Angelina's blah, blah, blah. She's crazy. Yada, yada, yada. Don't work with her. And you know, I understand that I didn't do anything wrong. She is actually in the wrong. She's no personal accountability. So basically being able to do the work that I have and with such high profile people, despite these, you know, people that I wanted to work with, not wanting to work with me. Like, I feel like that, that I've been, I don't want to say lucky, but there's really no other way to put it. I've been lucky to to work with who I've worked with, considering the backlash I got for standing up for myself and for my friends. That's hardcore. It's like you're thriving 
in a cutthroat environment such as the modeling scene in LA, which I view as cutthroat, which is why I don't go there. <laughs> and you're also in the midst of all this, this drama, this very, what it seems to me, very LA-ish drama with people oh, who, sure. who can't be accountable for for their own actions or beings. So, I mean, I'd say that you deserve more credit than just that you're lucky. I think that you have grit. Well, I try. <laughs> That's cool. No, like it, it's been like really interesting, like talking to you and learning more about you. And like, it's cool, actually. Like I get inspired by hearing like other people's life stories, especially when it's sort of in a satellite, like, lifestyle to mine, which is also nude modeling. And with myself, I find people who like are different than me, like different in modeling genres or whatever, fascinating. And I'm curious about them. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why I invited you to be on the podcast. And I'm really, really glad that you said yes, because from my experience reaching out to people to be on my podcast, I'm finding that a lot of petite Caucasian models are reaching out to me without me even reaching out to them. And they're like, oh, can I be on the podcast too? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, I want more different people. I don't want my podcast to only be models who also look like me. Right. So I appreciate the opportunity and and thank you for inviting me on because uh, like I said, I don't, wasn't really one to do interviews or podcasts at all, but I figured, you know, maybe now I should try. Quite honestly, I hate talking about myself. (laughs) So, you know, I just, I don't, well, no, I don't hate talking about myself. I hate people knowing too much about me. So. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. I can understand that. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, this is, I feel like this is relatively harmless and you know, you're a great host, so made it a lot easier. <laughs> oh, thank you. When we first got on the call, you had mentioned that you had tons of crazy stories. And I know I am closing up near the end of the time that I usually wrap these things up by. Did you have any other stuff that you wanted to tell a story about before we go? <laughs> well, I think the garage thing was <laughs> the, the first meeting with Julia in a car garage in South Seattle was great, or the water dairy boarding. <laughs> yeah, it sounded intense. I mean, there's the shibari shoot that we did, the underwater shoot that we did. That sounds cool. <laughs> she just likes to take me, and she, like, I never know until, like, the day of, like, what we're doing. <laughs> I, well, except for the shibari shoot. was like, we were, I had to agree to that in the first place when she had to make the arrangement. But, and then afterwards, I was like, oh, let's do that again. <laughs> That sounds cool. What kind of ties did they do on you? I don't know the specific names for anything, but I just posted that picture today on, on my oh. Instagram. But we had to like, and the woman who tied me was this beautiful, lovely Japanese woman who is such like very calming, very like, you know, for lack of a better word. And it's, it's totally cliche but very zen in what she's doing when she's you know using the ropes and so while I was nervous I wasn't scared and I wasn't I didn't question her expertise about it because like I knew she was like knowing that this is what she's done what she does and what she's done for a very long time 
like I had no worries. And while there was a little bit of pinching, it really wasn't, you know, as painful as, as you would think, you know, you're like getting tied up and hung off a hook on, you know, three feet off the ground. It's going to hurt, but it's not, it wasn't bad at all. And she were like, she and I were both like, Oh, we got to try different ones. (laughs) So I don't know if Julie and I is going to happen again, but I would totally be willing to do it again because it was, you know, especially with that rigor, I would definitely work with her again. That's cool. It was a suspension. Yeah. That's crazy. I've only done that a couple of times, but even I'm nervous about that. Yeah, it it is very nerve-wracking because you're just like, is this going to work? Is this going to hold me? Are these ropes going to hurt? Is it going to pinch? Is it going to cut off circulation? Like, it's There's a whole lot of trust. And I didn't meet the rigor until that day. Like, I walked in, I was like, hey, and then we got to work. (laughs) So you, you have to have a lot of trust in a stranger. Yeah. And like I said, I just, I want to say that I feel like I can read people well enough to know if they're like good or bad people. And I definitely with her was like very comforted by her. That's cool. Yeah. It's good to have that skill of being able to read people. I struggle with that at times. I feel like I have a good spider sense, but I'm tricked also sometimes. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Like, some people are just good at fooling you like and they're not even like actors about it. I want to say, you know, we're going into the whole like these narcissists are really great actors, but like, you know, narcissistic personalities are out there and they there are the ones who like tend to fool people. Oh my god. And I yeah. I've definitely like fallen for it where I'm like, "Oh, that's a good person." And later on like, "Oh, no, they're fucking terrible." Yeah, I got stuck with they one get like incurable uh-huh. diarrhea. Yeah. Oh my god. I That's my curse to people. <laughs> I'm gonna shut myself up right now. I don't but yeah, so I've I've dealt with that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. it, it he's gone now, so <laughs> long gone. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. But you know, very eye opening when you learn about, you know, personality disorders like that that people they're, they can be really like crafty in earning your trust, and you don't realize that the whole thing was a show until you've already been, you know, duped. Right, and and here's the thing: uh, there's like a whole like blowback, and I've that I've seen where you know you're not supposed to diagnose anyone, but like they have X personality, or you know, they have these those things that they do, like that. It's not the disorder itself, but they have, you know, hints of it or they exhibit the the personality disorder. Yeah, the traits or whatever. So you're like, okay, well, if it it looks like this, it's probably this. So I'm going to handle it like it is this. And if it's not, then, you know, we'll change tactic at another time. But most of the time it's just like, okay, you were right. (laughs) (laughs) And so in L.A., is that like a big problem or do you have to really like protect your inner circle of friends and, and yourself? Like, I imagine that there's a lot of people who want to take advantage and narcissistic people in Los Angeles. Oh, absolutely. And that's why when people ask, what do you do for a living? And I say, whatever I can, 
it's to throw those people off because I don't want them to think that they can use me or like that I'm available for anything like that. So many people ask that question just to see if they are, if you are able to help them or assist them or be used for whatever nefarious purposes that they have planned for their lives. And I end up not having a lot of friends and not socializing as much here in LA because I don't want to deal with it, quite frankly. Like, if somebody wants to work with me, that's fine. We'll talk about it. We'll set it up, whatever. If I see something for somebody, a friend or or an acquaintance, and I see like a casting call or somebody's looking for a makeup artist or hair, whatever, I plug them in. But I don't, you know, if it's somebody like looking specifically, to use me to get to so-and-so or, you know, oh, you worked with that person. Tell me who who it was that got you there, who who you're working with. And I I just, I don't because it's not my place to put them there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you're kind of playing with fire by like, you know, going into that kind of a game anyway. Right. And I don't know who this person is. I don't want to give them a recommendation and I'm like, be like a total asshole or like fuck something up and you know my friend or whoever I refer them to be like oh this person did xyz and they fucked up the whole shoot (laughs) I don't want to be responsible for that so unless I know you and trust you I'm not gonna like recommend you yeah it's like you can be nice but you still got your boundaries yeah that's cool all right, Angelina, I feel like we could talk for even longer, but I think that we've had a really good podcast episode. And I'm probably going to close it now. Thank you so much for doing this with me. And sometime in, in the future, I'd love to have you as a guest again. Sure. Cool. Maybe, maybe when I come up to Seattle. To oh my gosh. I'm actually, I'm in Seattle right now. I travel a lot, but I do come back up here about four months out of the year. So mm. I'm here now because it's nice in Seattle in the summer, as you know. <laughs> I actually preferred it when it was rainy. Like, L.A. has been so overcast and it's very Seattle-like. And I'm like, oh, I love this weather. I miss Seattle so much. Yeah. I actually, I've been in the desert a lot and was longing the rain as well. So I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. I miss Seattle. It's been quite a few years, I think, since 2010 since I've been back there. And I still have a few friends who live in, you know, like live on Capitol Hill or, you know, in Redmond or whatever. Cool. And I'm like, I really miss it. But but the last time I was there, it had changed so much Uh, that I'm kind of scared to go back again to see how how much further it's gone. Because, you know, it was expensive when I lived there. And now I know it's, it's even worse. It's like, you know, on par with L.A. And L.A. is fucking stupid. So. Are you talking about the prices of living up here? Or? Yeah. Yeah, the price of living is not good. We got lucky here with the apartment that we have, but the whole city kind of went crazy for a few years during the pandemic, but everything is more or less, you know, somewhat back to normal. <laughs> yeah, I just remember there was like there were a lot of studios and, you know, older buildings that I really loved. I live over on like 4th. 420 Wall Street was one of my, which I loved that place. Cool address. <laughs> I know, right? But it was in <laughs> Belltown and I loved it down there. And then, you know, it was like $600 for a studio, which at the time nice. was like, I was like, oh, that's expensive, but okay, whatever. 
But I know those places now are like twice, almost three times the price and nothing was upgraded. (laughs) Are you crazy? Yeah, it's because of Amazon and like all these like major tech companies coming to Seattle. Everything's Mm -hmm. more expensive. I'm in Queen Anne. Oh, I loved Queen Anne. I used to go to, I don't know. I don't even know how old you are. Um, But there used to be this restaurant. Huh? I'm 35. Okay. Well, maybe you knew about it, but um, there was this restaurant down on Lower Queen Anne. It was uh, Cafe Minis. Okay. Um, maybe. It was like right there at the triangle, like the corner of like First and Denny. Okay. Yeah. I know right where that cross street is. I usually was living on the east side of the lake and this is this past year is my first time living on the Seattle side. So I don't know if I went to Minnie's ever, but I might have. Yeah, I used to go there all the time. And they're either their cafe or the Hurricane Cafe, which I understand closed. Oh, and the Five Point. I used to live next door to the Five Point, and that was just an experience. Cool. <laughs> Good times. I, I love Seattle. A lot of people don't like it if they move here from somewhere else, but I'm I from would here. I like so it if there were less Amazon businesses there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that is what has changed the area a lot. Amazon, Microsoft, I think Nintendo put an office here. I might be wrong on that, but I think they did. I, they had one in in Redmond, but I don't know if they expanded it or not. Oh yeah, but yeah, when I worked for Amazon for a hot minute, and it was through a temp agency, and they did this with a lot of people, they would like hire you through a temp agency with the lure that they were going to hire you permanent. And then like right before you went permanent, they would let you go. Yeah. That's fucked up. And I know Microsoft did that for a, a lot of people too. And I was just like, it's such a shady fucking, it, it, I hated it. And I boycotted Amazon for the longest fucking time. And then, you know, now I just buy shit from them every fucking day. So Oh, yeah, it's a love-hate relationship for me as well, too, because I know how unethical they are, but I'm like, I travel full-time, and I need to know when my packages are going to be there, so. Exactly. <laughs> and usually, it's, it's relatively quick, you know, if not within a day. Yeah. That, yeah. That, you know, your stuff Especially if there. you live in Seattle, it's, like, right there, and they'll be like, oh, your package will be there tonight. Thanks, Amazon. I know. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> like, and they're... They have several like hubs here in LA, so I know they're they're pretty quick. And I'm they have a a big like big hub in Vegas, one here. So I guess they just have them in every city now. That's crazy. But Amazon's gonna take over the world. I I wanted to work for them too, and I was like excited. I'm you know doing customer service. I was so excited to work. And then they were like, okay, well, we're going to let you go, like, two days before I was to get hired permanently. Oh, man, that sucks. So I was like, fuck Jeff Bezos, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But look at you now. You're doing all this cool stuff. That's even cooler. Maybe one day my ass will hang in one of Bezos' residence or something. Yes, that would like, be the ultimate in the face. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks also. It's been great chatting with you. 